want you to go with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 14. Amen. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this beautiful worship. Thank you, Father, for the richness of your presence, the richness of your word. And Father, we thank you that you will help us to grow and be grounded in Jesus. And Father, just even go deeper, Father, in ministry and the things that you have for us as a church, God, and as a people, and all the things that you have coming that you want us to be a part of. In the name of Jesus, God, we just give you the glory. Amen. So I want to talk to you tonight about some things that I've been talking to you about on Wednesday nights in regards to the kingdom of God. And I want to continue this subject with you because it is it really is remarkable to really consider the fact that when Jesus Christ came, everything changed. He brought a new covenant and that new covenant is better than the covenant that God had established with Moses. It has better promises. It has an everlasting life. It has the forgiveness of your sins. It has reconciliation with God. It gives you an eternal life in heaven with the Lord. It gives you the, the right and the rule with Jesus Christ eternally when he comes back to this earth to rule and to reign and so to talk about this kingdom is wonderful because when Jesus Christ came, he was able to say that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's before you. And, it, and as far as Jesus is concerned, his kingdom is here to stay. As a matter of fact, when he left the earth, he said to his disciples that you're to go into all of the earth. And he says, wherever you go, I have all authority there. I have all power there. And you're to go there and you're to teach all men the things that I've taught you. And so I want to talk about this some more tonight. I want to piggyback off of what I said to you Sunday morning. And Sunday morning I talked to you about the cities of refuge. And these cities were located throughout Israel. And if anybody was in trouble, if somebody was chasing them in an effort to kill them, they would be able to escape to these cities of refuge. You could get to a city within half a day, a day at the most, all of the roads were cleared. All of the, the rivers were crossed with, with bridges and everything that was an obstacle was removed from the way and people could flee there. And y'all, that's a picture of us because we are fleeing for our life to Jesus Christ. And there doesn't need to be hindrances. We don't need religious people in the way. We don't need people in the way saying, hey, you got to jump through these hoops if you want to get to Jesus. And you got to look like this and you got to act like this if you want to be okay with God. We have to get to God through his son, Jesus Christ. And if we can get to the father, the father is going to take care of us. The father is going to do his work in our life. And so I believe with all of my heart, as I study the New Testament and I study the things concerning the church of Jesus Christ, then I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is a refuge place for people. I believe it is the refuge city. I believe it is the city on a hill. I believe it is the light of God in this dark world. I believe that there are people all over the world that are looking to escape from hell. They are looking to escape from the devil. They are looking for a way out of addiction. They are looking for a way out of prostitution. They're looking for a way out of suicide. They're looking for a way out of their disease. And they want to get to Jesus Christ. And the church of Jesus Christ is his house. And when people get to the church, they should find Jesus there. They should be aware of the presence of God. And the presence of God is there because the people are gathered together in his name. They are filled with his spirit. I'm sure you've been in churches before. I'm sure you've been in places before where you went into that place and it just really wasn't spirit-filled. And because it wasn't spirit-filled, maybe the awareness of God's presence was not there. You didn't sense that God was there. You didn't even sense that there were people that you could really go to to help. And that's and, and that might that that's the case in every church. There might be people here tonight, you know, and they just have this written on their face. Don't bother me. You know, don't fool with me. If you got problems, I don't want to hear about it. But but I believe the expression on the believer's face is if you need to get to Jesus, talk to me. If, if, if you need somebody to pray for you, talk to me. I want to help you get to the father. And that should be the face of every believer. 
We should come into the house of God hoping and believing that this woke culture, this trans culture has had enough and I want out. And where can I go but Jesus Christ? And the only thing I know about Jesus Christ is his church. I'm going to go there tonight. And oh, to God that they find Jesus and they don't find Baptists and they don't find Methodists and they don't find Pentecostals, but they find Jesus Christ. And they find the power of the Holy Spirit where they can be set free. And this is, this is what is so desperate for today. Jesus Christ came into the world. He confronted the devil. He confronted the lies of the devil. He confronted the devil's deceptions. He confronted the devil's works. The devil's works are depression and despair and suicide and religion. And Jesus confronted all of that and he exposed his lies. And people got free. Because you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And Jesus was the one who was not afraid to point at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and even the Judeo religion that had been so corrupted and be able to say, they're not going to make it to heaven. And if you follow them, you won't make it to heaven either. You'll all end up in the ditch. You'll all be the sons of hell. And so Jesus, praise God, was not afraid to shine the light. And because of that, for generations, men have been coming out of darkness and they have been coming to Jesus Christ. And now we know that Jesus has ascended into heaven. And so physically, Jesus is not on the earth. And what he has left in the earth is he has left his church. But it wasn't just the fact that God wanted people who were born again. God needed people who were baptized in the Holy Spirit. God needed people who had supernatural power in their life. And so God did not just come so that people could be born again. He wanted to have people who would be able to house the Holy Spirit in their life. And they would be able to live supernatural lives. And the life of Jesus and the testimony of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus would not stop, but it would continue. The works that I've done, greater works will you do. That's our responsibility. Now, I speak to everyone in this room tonight that loves Jesus Christ. I speak to everyone in this room tonight who loves the kingdom of God. Because maybe everybody in here doesn't love the kingdom of God. And they don't really love Jesus Christ. Maybe they like the idea of all of this, but the real lovers of God. Why do we stand in this altar? Why do we do that? And we're not standing here because we want to be close to the musicians. And we're not standing here because we just want to stand here and we want to be able to sing. We're standing here because we are praising God. Never forget that. These are the singers, we are the praisers, and we are coming into this altar in front of the army of God to do war against hell, to invite the presence of God, because what we are doing is we're standing here exalting the name of Jesus Christ. We're declaring God. We're declaring the majesty of God. We are up in this altar saying things like, Dear God, your throne is above every throne. Your name is above every name. Jesus, your name is greater than sickness. Your name is greater than cancer. Your name is greater than diabetes. Your name is greater than the devils. Your kingdom has authority and it has power. That's what we're doing when we're up here. We're not just up here singing songs, but we're praising God and and God, through his word, promises to respond to that. And I thank God that the whole house would do that. The whole house, in the balcony, everywhere, just praising God and extolling the Lord and lifting up the name of Jesus Christ so the presence of God could permeate every place in here. And people would walk in with an awareness of God's presence that can save them, that can deliver them, and that can help them. And so the kingdom of God demands power. It demands supernatural living. And for those of you that love Jesus, I believe this matters to you. I believe the kingdom of God matters to you. And therefore, the church should matter to you. And that's why we come to 1 Corinthians 14 tonight in our conversation about the kingdom of God. And in 1 Corinthians 14, we are taught this in verse 24. He's talking about prophesying, but there's a, there's a, there's an intent in this passage that I want you to see. He said, but if all prophesy, 
And there come in one that believes not. And isn't that wonderful for the Holy Spirit? Just give me one. Oh, if I could have one tonight that doesn't believe and will become a believer before they leave. Just give me one. That's the desire. That should be our desire. And he says, if all prophesy and there come in one that believes not or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. What is going to cause the unbeliever or the unlearned person to fall on his face and worship God? It's not the singing. It's not the preaching. It is the action of the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is the movement of God's Spirit through the believers that is going to convince lost men that you are in the presence of God. That's on you. That's not on this stage. That's on you. That's on us. If we care at all for God, if we care at all for the kingdom of God, if we love Jesus in the slightest bit, then it must matter to you that lost men will be aware of God's presence because it's important to you that if God can't move through anybody, then by God, he will move through me. And it won't be because of me. If a lost person comes in here or an unlearned person comes in here, it won't be because of me that God's presence wasn't given. And, and, and when everybody in the congregation has that desire and that passion and that attitude to be a manifestation of God's presence, then imagine the lost people coming in and falling on their faces and worshiping God. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be beautiful? Wouldn't that be so wonderful? Lost people falling on their faces and worshiping God would be an absolute phenomenal thing for any of us to see and to celebrate and to rejoice in. Well, a lost person is not going to fall on their face and worship a God in a church that cannot express the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the freedom and the liberty of the Holy Spirit. If you as the believers do not have the freedom to express God's Spirit, how is a lost person going to express their worship? And so what we have to have, what, what should matter to us is the desire that I want the gifts of the Holy Spirit to operate through my life. Because I want lost people worshiping God. And I want people to be aware of the presence of God. So now I am under an obligation to not go to church and find a seat. I am under an obligation for the kingdom of God. That he deserves his presence to be manifest in case a lost person walks in, they can fall down and worship him. Because he deserves that. He deserves it. Doesn't matter how tired I am. It doesn't matter how distracted I am. It doesn't matter how traditional I am. It doesn't matter the introvert that I might be. If you're an introvert, let the Holy Ghost that you claim lives in you push the introvert out. And let God be manifest in your life. He'll do it. He has the power to do it. If he can't push the introvert out, how can he get you to heaven? He can do it. We have to let him do it. And so this is important for us to see. That God wants people, and this is what I want you to get from 1 Corinthians 14, 24 and 25. God wants people to be able to come into his church and recognize his presence. And be able to fall on their faces and worship him. And this phenomena will take place because the gifts of the Holy Spirit operate. He is primarily discussing the gift of prophecy. But from chapter 12, he has discussed other gifts that are operating within the body of Christ. 
Because the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit of God. By nature, all of his movings are supernatural. By nature, whatever the Holy Spirit does, it is supernatural. Whatever his move is, it is supernatural. And he's the one that measures that, not us. He's the one that does it. He's the one that gets it. I encourage you to speak. I encourage you to have freedom in your life to exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I encourage you to believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I don't have time to go into all of 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 tonight. But I want to bring your attention to the earlier parts of chapter 14. That when a person speaks in tongues and interprets, it's equal to prophecy. I want to encourage you to speak in your tongues. I want to encourage you to pray in the Holy Spirit. If we don't have the freedom and the liberty to do that, how will a lost person have the freedom to worship God on their face? And so we must believe the Lord for these things in our life. If you're to be skillful in the operations of the Holy Spirit, it demands exercise. It demands exercise. You can't be a novice. And for you to not be a novice, it means that you need, and I don't want to use the word practice, so I want to use the word exercise. You have to begin to exercise your spiritual life in the things of God, and you will grow in your spiritual life, and you will grow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and you will grow in your faith, and you will grow in the graces of God. And so it demands an exercise. As a matter of fact, Paul tells Timothy, his son in the faith, he says, listen, those gifts that were given to you when I laid my hands on you, stir them up. Stir them up. Activate the gifts of the Spirit in your life. That's what Paul said to Timothy. Paul also said to Timothy in the same chapter, he said, what was given to you, keep it by the Holy Spirit. Keep it. Keep it active. Let it be demonstrative in your life. Let these things happen. In the book of Hebrews, I think it's chapter 5 at the end of chapter, could be the end of chapter 4. But at the end of Hebrews chapter 4, chapter 5, the apostle Paul, or whoever wrote that, I think Paul did. He said, listen, the time has come when you should be teachers, but you still have need that somebody teaches you. Even the first things of God, even the most elementary things of God, you still need somebody to teach you these things. And we should be teaching these things now. And so because of a lack of use, Paul says, because of a lack of exercise, your senses have grown dull. And you're having difficulty even discerning right from wrong. And so the appeal is this. Exercise your senses. Exercise your spiritual life. I guess even by the beginning of that, just even believing that there is a Holy Spirit. I mean, does it matter to you? Does it matter to you that God's presence is recognized? Does it matter to you that the gifts of the Holy Spirit would be able to operate through your life in case a lost person's here and they would have the opportunity to worship God and be joined back? Does it matter? Does it matter at all that we would exercise our spiritual senses? For God's sake, just do something by faith a little bit differently than we've been doing it. That's Philemon chapter 1. Faith differently or nothing's ever going to change. Nothing's ever going to be different. You want something to happen different in your family? You want something to happen different in your life? You want something to happen different in your spiritual life? Philemon 1, begin to faith differently. Activate the faith that is in you. Acknowledge the goodness of Jesus Christ that's in you. And begin to activate that. Act upon it. Do something in faith. And watch what God can do. And watch what God will do. And so this is the exhortation that Paul gave to Philemon. Now in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. I want you to see this in verse 12. It says this. Even so you. For as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts. Seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Read that. Verse 12. Read it. Consider it. Are you zealous of spiritual gifts? 
If you're not zealous of spiritual gifts, how can you possibly edify his church? If you're not zealous of spiritual gifts, you're certainly not seeking them. And so I would ask you this question. When was the last time you prayed about spiritual gifts? When was the last time you were desperate for the Holy Spirit to visit you and empower you and equip you? So that you would be able to go to church on a Wednesday night and edify the body of Christ. When was the last time? How much we take for granted. To just be able to drive up to our church and just be able to take everything for granted. Oh, this is what's going to happen. There are going to be people there and it's just going to be wonderful. And they're going to just cultivate the presence of God for us. And we're just going to be able to go and sit down and just kind of bask in that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You should be zealous of spiritual gifts. Because if there's any possibility for me to bring edification to you, I need the gift of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing that I can do for you apart from the Holy Spirit. And apart from the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I really can't help lost people. And apart from the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I cannot edify the body of Christ. And so I need to be zealous for spiritual gifts. Are you? Are you? There's sick people in your congregation. You say you care. When was the last time you fasted and prayed and sought the Lord zealously for the gift of healing? Come on. It's getting quiet. There's people in financial trouble. There's marriages that are in trouble. When was the last time you fasted and really sought God zealously for the gift of miracles? Because people in your church need help. People in your church need wisdom. People in your church need a financial blessing. And we sit around and say, oh God, we just want you to move. We just need a, we just need a miracle. We need a quick deliverance. We need this. We need that. And God's like saying, you know what? I want to do all of that. I want to blow your minds with what I want to do. But you're not seeking me. You're not seeking spiritual gifts. You're not praying for the gift of healing. You're not praying for the gifts of miracles. You're not praying for a gift of wisdom or a gift of knowledge or prophetic utterances or speaking in your tongues or desiring an interpreter. You're not, you're not doing any of these things zealously. But if you were fervent and you sought me, I would reward you. I would give these things to you on the basis of grace, on the basis of faith, not on the basis of works. You don't earn my gifts. But if you seek me, you'll find me. And I want these things to be yours. And so back in verse 12, if you will, read it again. And it says, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts. So I guess I would say that to those of you that are. Those of you that are zealous of spiritual gifts. Seek to excel. Seek to excel. Come on, guys, those of you that are, those of you that love Jesus, love his church, love his kingdom, want to see the glory of God, you're seeking spiritual gifts, praise God. Now excel in that for this purpose. It's not hard, it's not difficult. For this purpose, edify the church, build up the church, build up the church, help the church, strengthen the body of Christ. That's, I want to get, the Holy Spirit wants to gift you so you can strengthen the body of Christ. Praise God. Praise God. That means I get to go to a house where I love people and people love me. And I can be aware of their needs and I can zealously seek the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then seek to excel when I go in there that I am here tonight because the, the thing that is on my heart is I want to help you. That's what I want to, I want to help you. Beautiful church. That'd be so wonderful. Have a, have a church full of people, young people. That, that's what they want to do in life. And, and you talk about the excitement of Christianity. It would just be absolutely phenomenal. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are, are so important. They are so necessary. We are desperate for the Holy Spirit in every regard of our life. Jesus Christ said... That the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy was fulfilled in him. 
In Luke chapter 4, when he opened up the book of Isaiah and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Set at liberty those that are bruised, bind up the broken hearts, set the captives free to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This is what Jesus is anointed for. Then Acts chapter 10 tells us how that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit who went about doing good, healing the sick, casting out devils. How did Jesus do that? By the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the same Holy Spirit that Jesus was anointed with and that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Holy Spirit Jesus has given to you and me. The same. Why? So the works that I've done, you will continue to do. Greater works will you do. Because this glorifies me. Don't you understand? You're the city of refuge. Don't you understand? My kingdom has come and I'm not going to leave this earth in sin and corruption. I'm going to take it over. And you are my people. So I need you to continue in my power. I need you to continue in the Holy Spirit. And so he gives us the Holy Spirit so that the works of Jesus, the anointing of Jesus, can continue through our life. And I pray, I pray, dear God, that this would matter to us. The Bible tells us that we are to be anointed with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit comes to destroy the yoke of the devil. It is the anointing that breaks the yoke of the devil. It's the anointing. Sometimes we think, boy, if I could just get the right scripture and tell them, then they're going to be set free. If I can just get them to a particular individual, they're going to be set free. No, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. What is the anointing? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And he's given to you as a gift of grace. Not somebody you earn, but somebody who loves you and comes to you. Not because you're perfect, but because you're not perfect. And not because you're strong, but because you're not strong. And he is your strength and he is your power. And he comes to frustrate the devil in our day. He comes to expose the devil's deceptions. He wants to expose the deception of a trans generation. He wants to expose the deception of a woke generation. And we want to go and we want to proclaim the truth. And we want to be the light. We want to share the gospel with people. But when those people begin to turn their lives around from the bondages and the addictions that they're in, they're going to need something more than you and me and our words if they're really going to be set free. They're going to need the anointing of the Holy Spirit that can break the yokes over their life. The Holy Spirit comes and he breaks bondages and he overthrows strongholds. Acts chapter 1 says you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The power of God upon your life comes to you by the the baptism of Jesus Christ. When the Holy Spirit comes upon your life, then you are endued with power. Which is what we saw in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. And 120 people in an upper room were filled with the Holy Spirit. And he came upon them with cloven tongues as a fire. And 3,000 people in the city were saved and born again. Why? Because 3,000 unbelievers fell on their faces and worshipped God because of the gift of the Holy Spirit in that upper room. That's how. And if he can do it there, he can do it now. It's the gifts of the Spirit. This is beautiful. It's not your talent. It's not what the committee team comes up with. It's not some ingenious way to reach the generation now. We finally figured it out. We're going to make a difference. We're going to save Baton Rouge because we've got a plan and we've got a method. Away with your plans and away with your methods. There's only one. He's the Holy Ghost. And when the Holy Spirit anoints us and the gifts of the Spirit upon us, we have power in our life to be able to demonstrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Wherever the Holy Spirit is and whatever the Holy Spirit is doing is with absolute authority. And it is absolutely supernatural. Don't ever ask why God isn't doing something. Don't ever ask why you're not seeing the miracles. I can tell you that right now. Why are we not seeing the miracles they did in the book of Acts? Because you're not zealously seeking the Holy Spirit. 
and the power of God and the anointing of God and the baptism of Jesus Christ upon your life, which is a free gift to everyone. And if we would receive that, the easiest thing you could ever do in your life, the easiest thing that you could ever receive in your life is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Not hard at all to receive. Not at all. And so God has this for you. I make this statement to any of us tonight. If you can't do, you don't have him. I'm talking about in the baptism of Jesus. I'm talking about the baptism. I'm not talking about being born again. But I'm just talking about Acts chapter 1 kind of power. If you can't do, then you don't have the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, according to Acts chapter 1, the words of Jesus is the power, which means the dunamis and the ability to do. And so if I live my life saying, well, I can't do that, well, then I need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I, I can't forgive. I, I can't beat this addiction. I, I can't witness to those people. Then I need the baptism in the Holy Spirit because there's nothing he can't do. So when he comes on my life, he gives me the ability to do it. He gives me the ability to do what I can't do. And I don't have to go around saying, well, I can't do that. And, and, and maybe some of you might be a little bit confused by that statement and say, can you back that up with scripture? And yes, I can. I'm glad you asked. Because the Apostle Paul says we can do all things through him who strengthens us. And if we can't do it, then we need his power. If I can't get in an altar and bow my face before God and praise God and worship God or up in a balcony and shout the glory of God, not caring who hears me, then I need the baptism in the Holy Ghost. I need the freedom and the power of the Lord in my life. A spiritual gift is a supernatural capacity or power that is bestowed on a Christian by the Holy Spirit to enable him to exercise his function as a member of the body of Christ. These gifts are not to be thought of as natural abilities, nor as permanent possessions, but they are supernatural and often sudden manifestations of the Holy Spirit himself. He does this for the common good. For the profit of the whole congregation in a local church. That's what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 14. That I'm zealously seeking the gifts of God that I might excel to edify the body of Christ. Or to edify the church. The highest form of praise is to desire the gifts. Because you believe in the giver. To believe, listen to me carefully. To believe that God in heaven is telling me. That I want to give you supernatural power and anointing. To break down the devil. To, to expose his deceits. To break his strongholds. To overthrow sickness. To cure people of diseases. I want to give you this power. Then the highest form of praise that I could give God. Is not sing about the Holy Spirit. But receive the Holy Spirit. That would be the highest form of praise. I, to receive the gifts. Because I believe in the giver. And I believe what he says is true in living in a faith that counts on him. I count on him. I depend on him. Can you praise the work of God in your life by believing that you are worthy to serve the Lord? Think about that. Can you praise the work of God, the spirit of God in your life by believing that you are worthy. And I'm referring to the passage that says Jesus has qualified us. That God in First Corinthians or Second Corinthians chapter 2 and chapter 3. Paul says that God has made us able ministers of the spirit. And because God has done this. I'm not going to live my life saying I'm not worthy of this or I'm not worthy. By the grace of God I've entered into a relationship in the new covenant. Where I am now a child of God and the Holy Spirit lives in me. And Jesus has qualified me. So I can serve the Lord. I can do this for God. I can pray for the sick. I can preach the gospel. I can pray with people. I can intercede for other people. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter if I'm down. It doesn't matter if I'm up. It doesn't matter if I'm strong. It doesn't matter if I'm weak. It doesn't matter. Because it's not dependent on that. It's my faith. It's my faith in Jesus Christ that I can serve the Lord. There is somebody in me that has anointed me to do this. 
in 1 Corinthians 12. And I'm not going to turn there, but I just want you to, if, when you study it, I want you to see that we are told that the gifts are for every man. In 1 Corinthians 12, they're for every man. They're for all. No one is left out. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 that to one is given. And to another, and to another, and to another, and to another. God gives to every one of us. Everyone, and imagine, just could you picture it in your mind? Could you picture every one of us? I mean, just try to grasp this. Every one of us coming filled with the Holy Spirit to church at one time. Could you imagine every one of us coming to church filled with the Holy Spirit, ready to exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit to excel, to edify the body? Could you imagine what that service would look like? You talk about glorious And that's why God prays and Jesus prays and the word of God admonishes us to be in unity. So we will come and we will do that. All of these gifts are given to another and to another and to another. Gifts then are for every man and for all who will believe in them and ask God for them and receive them. The gifts of the spirit are signs of the indwelling Holy Spirit showing that someone is living the normal New Testament Christian life. If you are not living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit with the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in your life, you're not living normal Christianity. That's not what God intended. What God intended was for us to live a supernatural life by the Holy Spirit. This is absolutely delightful for me to think about. There's so much that God wants to do. There's so much more that God wants to do. So many more people that God wants to free. God wants us to launch out in faith and believe him for the great and magnificent things that he wants to do in and through our lives. And the great adventure, the great excitement of being a Christian is walking with God and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and watching the Holy Spirit do things in my life that I'm not qualified to do. Watching the Holy Spirit do things in my life I'm not talented to do, watching the Holy Spirit do things through my life that I'm not educated enough to do. And it's simply watching him do things through us where you sit back and you wonder, God, what just happened here? What did you just do? And and your Christianity is exciting. If If you're bored in your Christianity, get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I promise you, you won't be bored. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. You will not be bored. If your desire, if God's desire, let me say it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. If God's desire is for you to be exercised in spiritual gifts and to edify the body of Christ, then I would encourage every one of you to get involved in opportunities through your church. Because that's what you're supposed to edify. That's what you're supposed to help. Get involved. Do something. There's ministry for everyone. There's gifts and callings for everyone. It is there involved with your local church that you discover the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because he's going to press you into doing things that you don't feel comfortable doing. Well, I don't feel comfortable doing tech work. But I realize that the tech work is so important because right now there are people watching online. And, and if it weren't for these guys up there, they wouldn't be watching this church tonight. If it wasn't for these guys up there, you wouldn't have known what words to sing. If it wasn't for these guys up there, then you, the, the volume of my voice on this microphone might not be working right. And so we, we all sit back in the comfort world while they're up there working, while, while we're preaching. And, and they're serving God in this kind of ministry, maybe doing things they don't really feel great about doing. But God has pressed them in it and they're doing it by faith. And God's going to grow their faith and grow their gifts. Or whether it's working in the nursery or working in fireplace or wherever it might be. Or the shoebox ministry, I think that they're going to get together and do maybe this Saturday. Whatever it might be. Taking pictures and photographs and organizing things and helping and cooking and being on a, on a, on a cooking team or a benevolence team or landscape work. Just doing whatever it is that we can do. I want to do something for the body of Christ. I want to do something for the church. Charismatic gifts are free gifts. It's the charisma gifts of God. They're free. They're not earned. 
You don't get it with a diploma. You don't get it from three days of fasting. You don't get it from 40 days of fasting. You don't get it because you got a gold star because you remembered the chapter without a mistake. You get it because you believe in the giver. And you've asked the giver for the gifts and you've received them because you believed he would be a God of his word. And you receive them and now they are exploding in your life. The charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit enable all believers to minister to others in ways that is beyond human capability and ingenuity. Think about that. If the gifts of the Holy Spirit could operate through your life, you would minister to people around you beyond human ability today. And, and many of us need that. Many of us need the gift that's in you. The Bible demonstrates and qualifies many of the gifts. These, this is not exhaustive. But there are gifts of service and helps. The gift of giving. Gift of administration. Gift of hospitality. Mercy. Apostleship. Shepherding. Exhortation. Teaching. Wisdom. Gifts of discernment. Knowledge. Leadership. Evangelism. Faith. Gift of pastoring, of prophets, evangelists, gifts of tongues and interpretations, gifts of giving and miracles and healings. The Bible says you are created for ministry. You are saved for ministry. You're called into ministry. You're gifted for ministry. You're authorized to minister. You're commanded to minister. You're prepared to minister. And you're needed for ministry. And you are accountable, not only to the ministry that you gave, but the ministry you were supposed to give. You're accountable to that. God has given us gifts in his church. And the gifts of the spirit, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. All of these gifts in Romans 12, prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhorting, giving, ruling, mercy. All of these are gifts of the Holy Spirit. And when these gifts are active in any church, then you're going to find a church that has the manifest presence of God. And lost people are going to be attracted to that congregation. And they're going to go there attracted to it, but they're going to be overwhelmed with God's presence. And could you imagine lost people falling in our church on their faces, worshiping God? Could there be a greater sight? Could there be a greater thing? And it's not because some great slick preacher preached this incredible message to us. And he goes and gets all the glory. But it's just because God moves. Something kind of like what happened at Asbury. I, you probably can't name one person's name that's done anything over there. All you can say is, it seems to be that God visited a group of people who wanted him. Poured himself out upon them. Have vision when you go to church. Have vision when you come to meet with the people of God. Realize and recognize that you're not just going to church. You're going to a city of refuge. And there are people running for their life there. And they need God. And maybe you're the only one that's going to manifest God to them that night. Be prepared to do it. Be excited to do it. Long to do it. Watch people in the altars. Watch them. Watch people that are in their seats. I watch people sometimes that don't come into the altars and they walk around in the church and they're praying for people that, that are not coming down here. It's a beautiful sight. And they just kind of stand in the back and they're observing and they see people in needs and they go and they pray over them. It's, it's not just this location. I mean, the whole church should be an altar. Just coming in here and I appreciate you. I appreciate you worshiping God and praying and serving the Lord like you do. Every one of us. And the whole place is a place where we worship God and you're aware of people's needs. And how do the gifts of the Holy Spirit operate? They operate by him. He does whatever he wants to do. And so just put yourself in the place of a need and let God be God. Be zealous of the gifts of the Spirit. Desire the gifts of the Spirit. If you're about to pray for somebody that's sick, then ask the Holy Spirit to give you the gift of healing. If you're about to pray with some people that are confused in their life and they need direction, pray, Holy Spirit, give me a word of knowledge for them. But move through my life. If there's somebody that needs a miracle in their life. Maybe they've got a runaway or something like that. And you just pray, God, pray, you give me the gifts of miracles tonight so that when I pray for their prodigal, they'll turn home tonight. 
That you do a miracle, God. I, I don't know. I just, I'm depending upon you to do something through my life. I'm just available. You were just singing it. I'm, I'm available. That's what I am. And I'm going to approach people and approach situations and approach my church with a desire to help. And so I pray that you'll do that. When you see people kneeling down in altars, you see people in a vulnerable position, you see people who are being targeted by Satan, you see people when they're worshiping God, they posture their life in a position where one touch from God could change them forever. Help them with that touch. Help them. Be a ring of intercessors around people. Don't just sit, but gather around people and pray and intercede and believe God. You don't even have to touch them. They may not even know that you're praying for them, but fight for your brothers and sisters. Be a fence of protection, a fence of praise and worship around the house of God. Praying for God's presence and longing for God's presence because nothing matters more to you than the presence of God. So I close tonight with this. What do I do? What do I do? Whatever your hand finds to do. Not whatever you want to do, not what you feel like you're qualified to do, but whatever your hand finds to do, do it. And walk into it trusting the Holy Spirit to be your strength and your power. If you see a need, act in faith. Like the Good Samaritan. Just act in faith. I just have compassion on you tonight. I don't know what you're going through, but I just have compassion. Can I pray with you? I don't don't know what to do. And then all of a sudden, they might just unload this huge thing upon your life that you're so not trained to deal with. It's okay. Somebody's inside of you that's trained for it. And maybe all you can do is take them in your arms and hug them and say, you know what? Naturally, I haven't a clue what to do to help you, but I'm going to go and I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to believe God for you. And whatever he gives me to give you, I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to help you. That means so much to people. It's just the fact that you noticed me. It's just the fact that you cared. It's just the fact that you saw me down there in that altar crying like a baby. And you just came and you just prayed and you helped me and you believed God for me. It meant so much to me. Anybody can watch. But it was the compassions of Jesus that moved him to the sick and the needy to help him. How do I know God's doing it? I'll give you just a few, four things, very quick, four things, how to check it. Is what I'm about to do something that I should do? Number one, is it biblical? Number two, will it glorify God? Number three, will it edify the body? And number four, is it prophetic in its New Testament nature? Which means, is it going to edify them? Is it going to comfort them? Is it going to exhort them? Because if I'm about to go into somebody's life with this severe rebuke, I'm going to blast them. I'm going to put the axe to the root. Uh-uh. Not without pastor. Not without the shepherd of their life in that. I'm not about to speak words like that. I've got to be very careful. I'm not ready. I, I, I don't know that this is God. Don't you do it. But if you know it's biblical... And you know that it's going to glorify Jesus. You know it's going to edify the body. You know it's prophetic in its New Testament nature. That it's going to comfort. It's going to encourage. It's going to exhort them. Then there's no harm in what you're about to do. No harm at all. And you can check yourself easy that way. And at least you'll be expressing your love and your attention to somebody in the body of Christ. When Next time you go to a Bible study... Sunday when you come to church, I pray that the whole way here, even the night before, you are desiring spiritual gifts. Oh, God, I want to see James healed. Give me the gift of healing, God. Oh, God, give that to me. Oh, God, I know this family is in such financial distress. Oh, God, give me the gift of miracles. Oh, God, I want to go and pray for them Sunday morning. And then you come to church Sunday morning, and what are you doing? Hey, they're in my seat. No. No, I'm a common. I'm just going to say, I I get to edify the body. This is Jesus' body. I get to edify it today. I get to encourage it. I I can speak words of grace to people today. I can help. I can love on Jesus and maybe, just maybe, some lost person's going to see that 
And they're going to see the presence of God. And they're going to fall on their face and worship God. Because a gift of the Holy Spirit got through me. Oh, praise God. I got to stop. Stand with me. Stand with me. I wanted to sing this song that we closed with. I wanted to sing it now. I'm available. Guys, when was the last time you were zealous for the gifts of the Spirit? Uh, Now, I'll be the first in the altar, okay? I'll be the first in the altar. Who's going to be second? When was the last time you prayed for the gift of healing? When was the last time you prayed for the gift of miracles? When was the last time you prayed for a gift of faith, word of wisdom, word of knowledge? Come on, let's just be real before God. We sing these songs, I'm available. We haven't been available. But we are now. God, I want the fullness of your spirit on my life. And I thank you, Lord, that the gift of the Holy Spirit is not earned. He's not given to the strong and the mighty. But, Lord, he's given to the weak and the broken and the humble and the believing. And, oh, God, we want to be a church that lost people could walk in here and just say, you know what? God is in this place. God is in this place. Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit would just be so free to move. Lord, that we wouldn't have to be constantly explained to what to do, but Sunday morning when we come to church, we're going to come prayed up. We're going to come believing. We're going to come with a burden. And Lord, we're going to edify your church. We're going to serve it. We're going to do ministry. We're going to be on the greet team. We're going to be on the worship team. We're going to help straighten and clean things and help lead. We're going to show mercy. We're going to step into people's lives, Father, with love and compassion. And the least we can do is to let them know that you love them. Oh, but God, we want to believe for them to be turned. Come on, as, as, as promise sings this, just as you're praying, just let it become your confession and not just a song. How beautiful. I am available. I am.